0: don't be about the builder can we fix it no no we can't no we can't (laughs) accept that move on with your life stop trying to fix the fuck boy who's in uh kappa sig like (laughs) he doesn't need help he needs therapy
1: Hey there gals hey there gals i'm hannah and i'm emily and welcome back to another episode of the gals guys welcome
0: back so what has been going on with the bachelorette oh my god i finally caught up on it i oh my god this
1: i want to hear your thoughts i feel like i went in last time so let's hear let's hear your thoughts
0: i don't i what the fuck is this season <laughs>
1: honestly this
0: i i don't feel like i'm watching the bachelorette i feel like i'm watching like this new reality show where we're just like let's just see if we can test emily's patience like first off it's been so boring it's been boring the men are disgusting there's like i'm sorry i will keep saying this you give us tyler c (laughs) and then you take it away Tyler C, (laughs) and his best friend (laughs) like i was literally that was the only thing i was watching for the season and that was matt Matt. and i mean at least we get to watch i get a whole season with him that's gonna be great i'm
1: excited for that um (laughs) i'm just yeah here's the thing the men are fine about these men men are fine but i don't know anything about them because claire doesn't know anything about them
0: it's all Dale, Dale, all i know about is dale 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 doesn't even sound like a real name anymore at this point i know it sounds like a fish (laughs) Like, Dale Moss. Oh, my oh, God, it reminds me. Like, I just pictured like, this, like, this really big dude at Bass Pro Shop. <laughs> like, when she said Claire Moss. My Dale Moss. When she said
1: Claire Moss, I was like, Ooh. okay, girly. Okay, Garly." <laughs> oh, my God. Like, uh, I, I don't even know anything about Dale. I don't either. I, other I don't than, really. like, his mother passed away, right? Was it his mother? Sure. His, yes, his yeah. mother passed away. And that his mom would really like Claire.
0: Like all I all else I know is that was another thing too. But you mentioned was that how many of the guys like look the same. Yes, they all look like. There's two guys that sit
1: side by side, and I'm like, who are you? You look. I know who Joseph was.
0: That's it. Yeah, I know who Joseph and Dale and Bennett and (laughs) And Easy
1: because I like Easy a lot. And Easy. Yeah, and Bennett. I love Bennett. I would never date Bennett. He is
0: hysterical. Oh my! He is. He's his funny. roast was by far he's my favorite. Funny. I would be his friend, but I also feel like if I dated him, all I would hear is Yale, finance, Hamptons, go Let's Bulldogs. Let's go to the
1: coffee shop where they charge us eleven dollars for a cup of black. And he coffee. only drinks black coffee. Yeah, he I was going to say any, black like, coffee. Yeah,
0: and um, he has well, definitely. His wardrobe
1: would outdo mine. So oh, he's
0: definitely sponsored by Brooks Brothers, Vineyard <laughs> <your> Vines. <laughs> burberry i could like see oh my god (laughs) but there is ben
1: ben is my favorite um i don't even know if i know who that one is but it's okay (laughs) i'm here for it ben is your fave let's go um he just seems really sweet yeah but so do all of them i know I, i think i really like jason i think he was the one that i think i called him something else but he's the one that screamed with claire and i felt really bad for him this this episode when she came in and like broke up with all of them at the oh same time oh my god time. having to
0: break up with all your boyfriends all at once How oh my god it's so dramatic yeah, spoiler
1: alerts if you haven't watched it oh yeah but uh
0: <laughs> um I, I was just waiting for chris harrison to say the one line like you just blew out the Bachelor. i was
1: like oh here we go here we I go i was so
0: upset though that we only got like a like a quick like little preview of taisha dude she like, looked beautiful that dress if i was taisha one, like, if I was those boys, I would be so thankful that Taisha was the new Bachelorette. Yeah. But if I was Tasha, I'd also want to recast the entire show.
1: <laughs> yeah, because she even, like, said she was kind of nervous because she didn't know, like, where everyone had left
0: off with their relationship with Claire coming into it. So. Yeah. I know some of them, like, wanted to leave. So I was interested to see, like, what all is happening and everything like that. I just i am really excited to see where the show goes from here. I don't know. I like I'm I'm just really excited to see Tasha. I just don't I don't feel like Tasha gonna be excited by these men. Mm-mm. And maybe it's just because I don't know them. But yeah, like Tasha's beautiful. These men are lackluster. <laughs> that's just me. Yeah, yeah I I definitely don't.
1: Me. I I have not been excited by them. But again, all I've seen is Dale. So maybe maybe there's a diamond hiding deep down
0: somewhere. Can you believe they got engaged though? Spoiler alert. <laughs> I probably should say spoiler alert before the spoiler, but uh, can you believe they got engaged, though, after how long? It's been, like, two weeks?
1: Well, I hadn't watched it yet, and then I went on Instagram, and the first thing to pop up was Dale's picture of him proposing. And so I was like, okay, cool. So, I mean, I knew that was where it was going, but
0: I was like, are you actually joking me? Like, I know, like, whenever the show happens, because I will say it, like we said before, it does take two months for them to film it. And so, like, it is very rushed to begin with. But most people, like, I go back to um, JoJo and Jordan, who, that season of Bachelorette was when, it's, like, 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were supposed to get married this year. So, like, that's how long their engagement was. So, it, was like,
1: lo- it was, like, enough to go ahead and, like, say they did it and then give them time to like, actually date, like, a normal yeah, couple. Yeah, like, you get engaged, will. but, like, you're, like, just... Like you're dating, you're dating, yeah, yeah, out like, in the real world, not inside of the
0: bachelor bubble. bubble, yeah. yeah. So, like, I know, like, them. There's Rachel, and I forget her fiance's name. They're still engaged. They haven't planned a wedding yet. I do know that Rachel, I feel like, I think she comes on in this next episode, though, um, and talks to Taisha because Rachel is, like, the only, like, black girl who's been, um, the bachelorette. And so I think she talks a little bit about, like, the pressure of that and everything, um, with Bachelor Nation. And then someone else comes on, I feel like. But for those of you that don't know, Taisha, she was on the. I call it the redacted season, because it's the season with Colton, and we just don't talk about Colton, because Colton's creepy. Um, For those of you that don't know, Colton, uh, like, was, quote-unquote, he's the only bachelor that didn't get engaged. She just, like, started dating the girl. Like, she she felt weird being engaged to him and, like, not knowing him. But then he ended up, um, she tried to break up with him, and then he ended up stalking her. Um, So... Wonderful. That's we why love I call that. it the redacted season, because he, <laughs> he's creepy. Yeah, he's, like, full on, like, stalking her, like, after she like, tried to break up with him and everything like that. Um, awesome. So, I'm not saying The Bachelor's putting out these quality men. Um, it is a dating show, after all, but to each their own. There's that. I still think I should have gone on for Matt Jones' season, and I will keep campaigning that um, until the season comes out, so if Matt doesn't end up with anybody... I can, therefore, have him.
1: Yes, exactly. I I (laughs) definitely think you should have, but I understand why you did not, uh, since the show can kind of go all kinds of ways. I mean, like, I
0: don't think Dale's going to get a serious job, like, after this. It's the thing. I I don't see any of them having, like—I know some of them. I think Claire went back to being, like, a nurse— after Juan Pablo season or anything like that, but, like, I just don't see, like, within the industry, like, having a serious job, like, after that. I know... Well, he was modeling for Party City, so <laughs> maybe he'll just continue that. doing that. <laughs> I mean, it's, like, Hannah Bra- Not Hannah Brown, but Hannah Ann all over again because she modeled for Sonic.
1: Well, I mean, if you think about it, all, um, the majority of the girls from Peter's season have become well-known in the influencer space. Like, they're it doing is- a lot of sponsored posts mm-hmm. and doing all of these like collapse with brands and like if that's what you want to do then like the bachelor's probably the show for you to go on
0: yeah but um, i feel like that's all it's turned into now it's like from the bachelor it's like people just wanting to get their fit tea sponsorships yeah, and their um, fit fun
1: boxes and yeah. uh, hello fresh yeah right to their door oh my God. i mean so.
0: granted like i'm not saying hello fresh please sponsor us oh my gosh like,
1: i would die <laughs> i i've been wanting to try hello fresh for so long because everyone raves about it and the meals actually look delicious and the ease the ease of not having are to Are you like, trying to do
0: a sponsorship without trying a trying to do
1: a sponsorship without a sponsorship. Hello. Here we are. <laughs> She's our code, the gal's guide. i We
0: wish. You know anyone at HelloFresh? Hit us up. <laughs> the CEO just casually listens to our podcast. It's fine. We should just tag them. Like, hey, we talked about you. But yeah, so that's been going on. I've been trying to work on my film as well, too. And I'm finally making headway. Our GoFundMe is about to go live soon. By the time this episode goes up, I feel like... This is the same week our GoFundMe should be going up as yeah, well, so you that's guys will so see posts about that. Um, so if you love me at all, um, <laughs> please help me make this film come to fruition. I really want to have. So here's the thing. This okay. is the, this is the thing I have been trying to grapple with. Okay, I would love to do the mental all episode like we have been teasing all season, and we've thought about doing it with the actor. Mm-hmm. Da But here's the thing: the actor is also in my film. So, therefore, if you know who the actor is and then you see my film, you're going to know who they are and you're going to meet the dots and I don't want that to happen. (laughs) Like, I realized that the other day. I was like, oh, fuck. Like, if you guys, like, see the film, you're going to know who it is. So, um, let me grapple with that identity crisis really quickly and then we'll see what happens. Um, and and it's all up to him as well, too. I feel like if he's cool with it, then, Mm -hmm. um... We might do it, but that was something that when we pulled um, on our Instagram, asking you guys like what you wanted to see. Like, did you want to see like someone like from another like another male podcaster or someone like you know from like TikTok or something like that? Someone who had like like some minimal fame because we we can't get like you know we can't get Tyler Tyler C up in here. Oh my god, I would <laughs> fucking die. I would die. <laughs> but I right, um, would you rather see that or would you rather see like? Hannah's boyfriend or like a friend or something like that. And a lot of you guys like answered that you wanted to see someone that we personally knew. So um Maybe to just get like a more level
1: like a level playing field of answers. Yeah. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I I mean Instead I said
1: someone who's like re- really well known or whatever.
0: Yeah. I saw an a- I saw the actor the other day and I asked him about it and I was like, um Listing some of the questions that you guys have sent in and that we came up with ourselves and he was like answering them straight up and he was just like I mean we can get on this if you're wanting like fuck boy answers it's not what you're gonna get I was like no that's not what we want like we know our audience that they, they want like real genuine answers and they want like real advice and everything like that but like someone who is also funny and entertaining I feel like that's who you are so we shall see. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's all I'm going to say about
1: that one. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, but for your GoFundMe, like even if you guys aren't able to donate, like if you will share, yes, the GoFundMe page for M, um, that'd be super, super
0: awesome. Yes, and then I'm also like I'm creating like content like on um on TikTok and everything like that. So basically, the film is about a previous relationship that I was in. Um, if you're listening to the podcast and you watch the film, you'll easily be able to identify which relationship i'm talking about but i'm not going to like explicitly say on here just in case a certain person's listening um <laughs> true you, you never know <laughs> you never fucking know <laughs> nowadays but um yeah it's basically i can read do you guys want to hear like a yes, little brief it's about. Please. Okay, let me get my new book. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> so the film that I wrote is called um, All We Were. And basically the film is about a character named Olivia who is a struggling artist and hopeless romantic. And she is blindsided when her successful boyfriend, Nico, suddenly dumps her. The two reflect on their relationship from two different perspectives. For her, he's like this broken distraction she can fix. For him, she's a beautiful mystery just out of reach. What happens when you fall in love with the idea of someone instead of who they actually are and the whole film raises this question of what happens when you fall in love with the version of somebody you've created in your head instead of who they actually are can you honestly say you knew all we were mic drop (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna be so good i'm so excited like i was saying like the film was inspired by this like really toxic relationship that i was in where i developed like some codependency issues hint hint with today's episode (laughs) yep um from his like really narcissistic behavior and i realized i had like trauma and ptsd from it and my way of coping with it was through writing and i find that whenever i go through a heartbreak i will heal myself by turning the pain into literature and i wanted to make this film because i often found that the doomed romance breakup film were always told from like a male perspective they're always written by men directed by men and with a like manic pixie dream girl love interest and i was bored of it i i wanted to know more about her character see everything from her point of view and that's what we do with this film you're able to see both perspectives and know each of them and who they are, and how they view the other person, it's, I think, reflective of dating culture nowadays, because we're just so afraid to set boundaries, and just keep everything casual, like we talk about here on the podcast, and by doing so, you get lost in the translation of what's actually going on, and you end up creating this, like, own reality in your head that may not be reflective of what's actually happening, and so when you guys, like, If you guys donate, and if you don't, like, I totally understand, like, even just sharing it, like Hannah said, like, does do a lot of help, but... Uh, your support not only are you supporting like a female filmmaker like myself uh, but you're supporting a cast and a crew heavily made up of women people of color and people of the lgbtq community and who most of us have just graduated in the worst possible job market and economic crisis of our life and your contribution goes towards helping independent artists who haven't had a chance to create or work for months due to the coronavirus pandemic and It just allows us to tell the story. It allows us to get our creative minds flowing. All the money will be going towards helping to prepare, like, for, you know these coronavirus like mandates that we have to have like on film sets, like PPE, um, be able to manage people's temperatures, creating safe spaces and creating just like, you know, like preparations, everything like that. Um, it goes towards food for the actors and for the crew. It goes towards renting equipment because we want to make sure that our, um, camera crew, our lighting crew and our sound department has the best equipment. It goes towards, um, gas and transportation. It goes towards locations. It goes towards set design. It goes towards costumes. It goes to all of this to just create a better film and- and it's something that as somebody who just graduated from college and somebody who is just starting out it's her first film i'm a first-time female director um it's something i can't do alone it's something that i really just want the support from people who really just want to help me tell a story and if anything if we reach our goal which is at currently of five thousand if we go exceed it um that money will go to the crew and to the cast because i have said repeatedly that I want everybody else to get paid before I do. I want to be the last person that takes on any income, which is very opposite of most directors. Um, they're the ones that always want the biggest paychecks. But I really just am so appreciative that everybody that's working on this to help me tell this story because I don't think it's a story that – it's a it's a story you hear often of like a breakup and a doomed romance, but it's from a different point of view. Uh, and it's a perception that you don't see often. I feel like a lot of times with these kind of films, the male director, the male writer is like – it's a vengeful film. Like, fuck this bitch that broke my heart kind of thing. Like, you see, like, Garden State. You see 500 Days of Summer. You see Eternal Sunshine, Spotless Mind, Marriage Story, all those kind of films. Um, it's always all from the male perspective. It's like, oh, poor me. Um, and I always go to 500 Days of Summer. It's my favorite film. But, like, with that, like, you're supposed to be like, oh, like, fuck you, Summer. Like, you broke Tom's heart, but really Tom's the villain. And with this one, it's very similar in that retrospect that neither one of them are the hero. Like, that you would think that one person is the... Um, You would think Nico is the one that is the worst of the two. But really, if you look at it, like, Olivia's character is not great either. And like I said, it is loosely inspired by a true story that happened to me. Um, It's not verbatim because then I would get sued. (laughs) But... uh, I mean, I did take a lot of inspiration from, you know, a breakup that I went through and it really helped me get through it. And I hope that when, you know, you guys watch it, that you're able to get the uh, same experience and hopefully you can relate. And I feel like a lot of women especially will be able to relate to the story. Um, If you've ever been like screwed over by a guy, um, it'll be very therapeutic for you to watch. Uh, And yeah, I mean, this film, we'll we'll be submitting it to um, film festivals as well. So, yeah. your contribution will help go towards that and also help with um, just like little things like LLCs, just ensuring that we have the safest set uh, during this time. So yeah, every little bit counts. And I think, you know, this is a great time to get in the forefront of indie filmmaking. It's so on the rise. And why would you not want to support somebody who is, you know, trying to tell these creative stories? I think it's a great way to um, just get involved and... Hey, if you donate more than a thousand dollars, you get an associate producer credit. Hey, hey, look at that. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that's my little spiel about we my film. Uh, I just registered the that. script with the Writers Guild of America. Did yeah. you really? Yeah, I did. So. Look at you go! It's official. We're doing it, and I'm terrified, uh, but it's going to be
1: great. I'm really, I'm, yeah. I'm really proud of you for I've like been, taking the leap of faith and just doing, just thank doing you. it.
0: Thank you. That's what a lot of people and have not been waiting
1: for someone to to like like I like that you just kind of like head on like did this yourself and like put it together because I think that shows like how important this is to you and shows your drive and like I don't know I just think you're gonna do big things. Thanks. So. Yeah. Welcome.
0: <laughs> no, I mean that was like one of the biggest um piece of advice. But right before I graduated grad school, my uh, two mentors they sat down with me and they were like, you know, if you could emulate somebody's career, like who would you want to? And I said, you know, well obviously like. Phoebe Waller-Bridge or, you know, Issa Rae, uh, all these great women who are showrunners and created their own shows. And they were like, well, the thing is with those two people, especially like they didn't wait for somebody to be like they didn't wait. Phoebe Waller-Bridge didn't wait for the BBC to give her Fleabag. Issa Rae didn't wait for HBO to give her Insecure. They went out and made their own content. Issa Rae made a show on uh, YouTube called Awkward Black Girl. And Phoebe Waller-Bridge made a one woman show on um, theater called Fleabag, and someone from those networks saw it and was like, "Hey, we want to give you a show. Do you want to come on?" So they didn't wait for permission, and that's something that I feel like I've never done when it comes to my career, like art and everything. Um, and I never like changed it for anybody else, and I just want to be able to tell my own voice, and I. I mean, I love it, and everybody who's working on it has been super supportive, and they're all really excited about it, and I'm lucky and fortunate enough to have so many friends. I will say, though, like, this whole crew that I've had, like, I've been just manifesting <laughs> most Literally, of my crew. I wish you could see our text threads. It's like... <laughs> it's pure so-and-so manifestation. So-and-so will
1: say yes to this. They love my script. It's awesome. It's- I love it. It's... I mean, it, it's worked for you, yeah.
0: And I have and I just think, been put that mindset. Was
1: going to say, I think if you like put out negativity in the world, you're going to get negativity in return. So by putting that positive spin on things, regardless of whether or not this person's going to sign on or not, you know by putting it out in the world and like having a positive viewpoint, you have a better chance of it actually happening. Yeah. Than if you're already giving it negative energy, then you're just going to get negative energy in return. Yeah.
0: Me and my, me, trust me, me and my boss today, we had this whole conversation because she's like, the world is just made up of energy. And, you know, if you think about it, like most of the songs people be singing nowadays are like, these like, Sad lyrics, and it's like you're manifesting that sadness. I was like, "Oh my god!" And she's like, she she went on this whole tangent about how like rap music is set to 432 hertz, and that hurts is like really bad for your mental health and everything. And I was like, "Wow, that explains like so much." <laughs> like I'm sitting here like singing like All Too Well by Taylor Swift all the time. No wonder I haven't been in a happy relationship <laughs> because I'm just manifesting sadness. Like, it's, but um, yeah, like I manifested that like literally my guy who's like my uh cinematographer like i manifested that he would come onto my film and now i just had a meeting with him this morning he's like signed on yep i manifested my production designer i manifested my lead actor like i literally just manifested all of it i'm like this is gonna happen like this will happen and so far it's been working so ladies like don't sleep on minute like don't sleep on which tiktok like
1: (laughs) get on that side of tiktok and you'll thank us later it's fine
0: So, yeah, um, what has been your captivation of this week? Oh. I mean, I could say that mine is my film. Part of me wants to say that it's Leslie Odom Jr.'s Christmas album. Part of me also wants to say it's Baby Bell Cheese. Um.
1: You have three captivations, <laughs> and that's fabulous. I love
0: it. Um, I don't even
1: really know. I, I think just, like, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think of something that, like, I— You've been I, really into, like, gold jewelry lately. I have. I actually just got these two necklaces but you're from you're not, like, a gold jewelry Target. person. I am. Oh, you are? Mm-hmm. oh I don't wear silver. Did you, you think I was silver? <laughs> oh, what the fuck did I think you were silver? I think I have like three silver pieces. Oh, what the
0: fuck? <laughs> it's okay. It's actually okay.
1: Um, I don't think silver looks as good on me as gold. You and wear I wear a lot of gray though. Gold. Oh my
0: god, okay. I know.
1: I still wear gold with like uh, my engagement ring will ha- will be a gold band.
0: These are new things that I'm learning. Here we are. <laughs>
1: I mean, if you get me silver, like, I'll wear silver, but, but I just... I think
0: I've given you a you silver have, necklace. You have.
1: I've worn it. Uh, I just prefer gold. Oh. I have more gold pieces. Okay. Just mm-hmm. now that you know. Okay. I'm just kidding. Oh, wow.
0: <laughs> but I
1: got these two. I've, I really like your chain necklace um, that you have, and it's, like, way too expensive for me. So, um, Target... Uh, that just, like, regular circle one that you have that you wear all the time. It's not even chain. It's... Um, the
0: herringbone one.
1: The herringbone gotcha. one. Gotcha. Yeah, I just didn't want to drop a pretty penny on a necklace um right now um so I went to Target and they have some really cute options there also Forever 21 hats and if you're in the if you want like a like a just like a plain necklace that's more of like a statement uh that's kind of what I've been wearing so gold jewelry I really want some gold hoops I'm on Amazon currently looking and, yeah, that's pretty much it. Other than that, I don't really have a Captivation. Or so. you can
0: use my link on Instagram and shop with Majuri because I'm a Majuri
1: partner. <laughs> Listen, I love Majuri, but not yet. Not yet.
0: Not yet. <laughs> Majuri sponsors me. Maybe we can get them to sponsor the podcast. Oh, my God. I would die.
1: <laughs> I'll reach out to my girl. Please reach out to your girl. <laughs> oh, Majuri. Goodness. What, what about, about you? you? Um, well, you already told us your Captivation. So. Yeah,
0: it's uh, baby Gouda Cheese. <laughs> cheese um it's also uh, it's gonna be okay listen like the day after halloween like hands down i'm listening to christmas music like i have been jamming to leslie adam jr's new christmas album uh tori kelly has a new Uh, christmas album i'm ready for it but not yet you gotta get on like it, the man. week of Thanksgiving maybe but the like day but like the after. classics are my favorite the classic ones like the Spotify playlist like classic holiday is my jam I also like Ariana Grande's which I also will say too I had a realization the other day Hannah disagrees with me okay listen I for some reason I was listening to Obvious
1: and it sounds, I love Obvious and no one gives it enough credit and it makes me sad Anyway, it sounds
0: like a Christmas song <laughs>
1: Uh, I disagree, but that's okay. I don't know why. Maybe it's my (laughs) synesthesia. I don't know. It could be. It could also be that that album, her, this album is so cohesive and Christmas albums, I feel like are very cohesive. It just
0: has a cheery vibe to it. Like my favorite has officially just like magic. Um, it's been the song I manifest to. (laughs) Um, that is such a bop. It's my favorite. It's so good. Um, I got me some rose quartz, you know, I had on Halloween, I set my rose quartz out underneath the, um, the moon. The, uh, the blue moon, the neon moon. <laughs> um, I set my rose quartz out. I set a cup of water out. I got me some moon water. I cleanse some rose quartz. I set some intentions on it. I may or may not have done like some magic or something like that, apparently. Um, so, you know, we're just waiting to see if these. Ma- I've been like all on manifestation. I've been getting my shit together. You know, you've been like a productive boss lately. Like, you, know, you have just been like, boom, we in the, the last boom. couple of weeks of the two, 2020. I might as well like get my shit together now. <laughs> Yeah, I'm so getting you ready could for 2021. Go into the new
1: year with like your goals are already starting. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know what I'm doing after my film. Um, so LA, yeah, I, that's possible. My- Possibly, no, yes. it's I will be in LA. Just next year. I just meant like. Just don't know when. The just timing. don't know when.
1: We don't know when. <laughs> don't know when. I have no idea. <laughs> we <know> the
0: location. <laughs> I, we don't know the time. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know the destination. Um, I'm figuring out the directions. Yeah. Um, I gotta and... get my ish together for my music. Yeah. I'm so
1: excited for your album to come mm-hmm. out though soon. Mm-hmm. I'm starting. I'm going to start to plan kind of like who I want to work with as far
0: as like marketing and all that. We can. We we know we know that we did an episode last year at the end of the year called "Manifest Your Dreams" in 2020, and like listen. Maybe that didn't happen this year because you know twenty twenty was its own bitch. I think um, like I need to go back and listen <laughs> to that and be like, what did I actually not do? <laughs> I definitely did not accomplish my New Year's resolution, which was moving to LA. It's fine. Um, okay. No one could expect it. 2020 I was going to happen. release an EP
1: in twenty twenty, and it's, it's still fine. not happening. It's so our fine. Our two big goals didn't happen, but they are on the horizon. They are on the we horizon. We see them. We can see them. In we the reached future. ten
0: thousand downloads in twenty twenty. Yes. So yes. we have conquered that goal and everything. Um, so yeah. We'd love to know what you guys are trying to, what you were trying to manifest in the new year. So let us know.
1: Yes. For um,
0: sure. On our Instagram for sure. Yeah.
1: Speaking of, it's at the gals guide pod. Yes. I don't know why. I always want to say it. <laughs> say dot com at the end. <laughs> That's
0: it's the website. website. Instagram dot com slash the gals guide dot com. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> And then my personal one is at Emily Alisa is A-L-E-E-C-E. And you there's actually an Instagram highlight I'm gonna make on my Instagram all about my film. Cool. So yeah. You guys I okay, here's the thing. And like y'all tell me that this is something you'd be interested in. And if you wanna see it on like our Instagram's IGTV, or if you wanna see it like exclusively on Patreon. Oh yeah, true. We have that Patreon. Um <laughs> I kinda wanna get like I wanna like have a hire someone specifically like one of my PAs like I'm like one of my production assistants like exclusively hire them to like vlog me making this film and everything I should have already started it since we're now in pre-production and everything like that but I kind of like want to vlog like the experience of like how you like you how a film comes to life like how you make a film you should do that would you guys be interested in watching that though?
1: yes I'm speaking for the I'm <laughs> speaking for the troop.
0: as Coach Adams we say yes like I feel like I've always had an, affi- uh, like an affinity, is that the right word? I think so. I don't for know. For YouTube. Like, I just, I, I love for YouTube. I love vlogs. I love, I've always had a, a true love for vlogs, and I just think they're so interesting. I just love seeing what people do in their lives. I know. I know our yeah. friends, um, Anna Margaret, she was one of the hosts over at uh, Practical Magic Podcast, we would love to have on. Shout out. Go yes, follow them. Yes, absolutely. Um she is going to start vlogging like her life and everything. It like, feels like a cute little donut coffee shop too. Yeah. So like it's so cute. But yeah, I, I really want to start doing that. And I think starting off like documenting my film would be cool. I don't know if we're going to make a, it. Should we make like a, should I upload it on my own YouTube or should I upload it like on Instagram? Mm.
1: That's some of the true question.
0: You should do both. Okay. Or we should just, maybe we should just make it uh, a YouTube channel. For the Gals Guide? Yeah. We could? We could. That's mm-hmm. one more thing, mm-hmm. but we could do oh it. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Once we have a cool setup, we could, like... Trust me, you record. guys, like, I really want to uh, video, like, us recording, but, like... If you saw our recording space right now, you'd feel for us. You'd feel actually probably like we're sharing a desk. It's just really sad.
1: Um, I have a pillow in my chair. (laughs) I mean, it's fine. Like we're just chilling. It's fine. And so definitely don't forget to subscribe, rate and review our podcast on Apple podcast. And then you can
0: also follow our podcast on Spotify. Yes. So today's episode, it's one you bitches have been waiting for. I swear to God, I don't think we've ever gotten this many requests for a topic for an episode mm-hmm. we mentioned it in like one of our first episodes and ever since then y'all have been like where's the codependency episode where's where the codependency it? It episode y'all keep talking about y'all gonna talk about codependency where the fuck is the codependency we episode we ready we weren't emotionally there yet like <laughs> i because let's face it it's me who mainly has struggled with it out of the two of us like i feel like you have like some tendencies and everything yeah. but not to the point where no. like it was, like, from traumatic abuse, like, I right, was. Right, right, yeah. And I was, like, I told Hannah, I was, like, I every time we, like, thought about doing it, she's like, do you want to do the codependency code episode? And I was, like, I'm not ready. Like, I'm not ready. Like, I'm not ready to talk about it. Like, I just don't know. Yeah.
1: I don't know how to talk about it. Well, yeah, and, like, I'm never going to push you to, like, talk about something you're not ready to talk about. Yeah. So.
0: And it was just, like, I know what it was. I knew what I was experiencing, but I didn't know how to put it into words where someone like you guys would understand. And. It took me like writing this film and analyzing these characters, specifically the Olivia's character who struggles with it in the film, to really be able to be like, okay, like I fully get like what I'm going through and everything like that, and I fully understand it. And it took like going through therapy and everything. I had to, like done like a lot of research on it. I had wanted to read a couple books about it and everything, but I was felt I felt I still feel like there's a stigma for me at least, around getting self-help books. And I'm trying to get over that. Like it's fine to order like a, there's codependency no more and everything like that. But I've also like researched like other people talking who have codependency issues who are like, yeah, like you can read those books, but they're not as great as like therapy. And um, I have listened to a lot of Whitney Cummings talking about it because she's very open about her codependency issues. And she's been the best one. I will actually like, link a video she did yeah. for ashley she went on ashley graham's podcast and she talked about it a lot and it's really really insightful and i r- really encourage you if you feel like you struggle with codependency issues read her book or like listen to that interview because it's r- really helped me understand it a lot better because i had a hard time putting my feelings into words and i feel like she did a great job of um executing that and so yeah i mean with codependency there's like a diff- there's many different ways you can go about treatments for it. I mean, some people will go to like 12 step programs, which I did not know was a thing.
1: I didn't know that was a thing either.
0: Um, I thought like whenever I heard codependency, and I feel like a lot of people think about this, um, I always thought like, oh, like you're so immeshed, immersed, whatever immersed? the word is. I think there's also a meshed. I don't um, know. I don't know. What have no idea. <laughs> well, like each person in the relationship is so like I thought codependent mean that you two like co like were like oh, both dependent yeah. on each other yeah like to where you couldn't be without each other you're both that way but i didn't realize that only one person mm-hmm. could also be that way as well and that's really what it was it's where codependency is really just like and this is what when he says as well too i did not come with this like definition of codependency yeah. but it's just the inability to tolerate the discomfort of others it's the need to be needed and always feel like you have to fix people and fix something. And that's why I always say like, don't be Bob the builder. Um, you can't fix it. Yeah. And a lot of people like they try to figure out, like, I think a lot of it comes with uh, attachment issues. How you ever, you were raised as a child, um, like those first two years. Um, if you felt like you ever struggled with like abandonment issues or things like that. Um, I feel like that's where it usually arises for me. Um, and i never really thought like i had a bad childhood i never thought that my parents like were ever like vacant or absent from me that caused it because with anxious attachment styles it's just like you never really had like one solid caretaker i had multiple caretakers i had my mom but she had to work all the time so i had my grandmother and then i had my dad all this stuff um and i always just like my childhood mind I guess just could like want to figure out a way to get my mom to stay and I felt like if I was a good behaved kid then she would stay but even though like I couldn't wrap the head that she just she wasn't leaving me she just had to go to work yeah um, your yeah. two-year- old brain can't wrap that head around it um, and then when I got older I got into middle school and was severely bullied to the point where I had like no friends and I thought that if I was prettier, if I thought I'd dress better, if I was nicer, if I was funnier, if I was something better that people would like me and I wouldn't be alone and I would feel like I belonged. Like I was so desperate to be popular. It was so sad. Like how like pathetically <laughs> desperate I was. Like I was, all I was obsessed with was how to be popular. Like mm-hmm. just reading books and like always being envious of the popular girl. Um like I always wanted to be Regina George or I wanted to be like alley like in pretty little liars whatever it was yeah um i was always just so envious and like i just it became like an obsession like i just wanted to be popular because i just wanted people to like me and i thought there was something wrong with me because i didn't have a boyfriend until i was 16 and when he tried to leave me um because he didn't want to go stupid prom with me ladies (laughs) if you're in high school and you're listening to this like (laughs) the boy doesn't want to take you to prom don't make him take you to prom anyways um it's better without him uh like i was just like no like you can't leave and I was like, i'll be i'll i i'll do all these things like i was i that i what didn't feel ready for I was felt pressured in a lot of situations and that's where it led into my relationships and I always felt like i there was something that I heard recently where I always felt like if I was prettier then they would like me more for something like that and that's why i we've talked about like looks and like all that kind of stuff like self-esteem and self-care and how I've mentioned before on the podcast where like, there were so many times where I like think about how I look because it's so ingrained in me um, because I was bullied for my looks at growing up and everything that someone mentioned the other day, they were like, it's not that you're not pretty. You're just not your type. And I was like, wow, no, like if I think about all the girls I think are pretty, they are like tall, tan, blonde, like the stereotype of like American beauty. Um, and I finally realized lately in my, like, later years that I was able to, like, stop obsessing of my looks because I didn't need to fix them, and I started, like, paying attention to how I affected other people and trying to fix them instead because if I fixed them, then they would somehow stay, and I just became obsessed with someone else's perception of me, and that's, like, one of the main, like, key factors, like, of codependency is, the obsession of how everybody else in the world perceives you and honestly like the career i'm in it probably i should not be in this career like let's be real like you're like on television (laughs) yeah like being in the media like oh my god it's very true i'm gonna like i i i try to act like i had this really tough exterior and like if someone calls me like if i was ever get called in the tabloids i hopefully wouldn't have a negative reaction to it and it's just because I'm trying to get a better self-worth, and that's the thing with codependency and people who have it, is just thinking that their self-worth is in other people and not themselves, and it's something that it takes a while for you to realize. I always felt like I needed to take care of other people's feelings before my own because if i if they did if they loved me and if they if I made them happy, then they wouldn't leave me. That's what it all goes back to I think um is always self-sacrifice mm-hmm. um, and putting other people's needs first and I realized that that was a bad thing when I had a friend who told me that and you've told me this before too and I don't think I don't think that you or my other friends that mean it in an insult or anything like that in mean a negative manner, but Whenever I've told you about, like, my friends who don't be my friends anymore, they're all, and, like, they've called me toxic or something like that, you're, all, like, you always, like, you're, always like you like, the least most toxic person I know. And I've had a like, friend tell me, she was, like, you're so, like, selfless in your friendships. I can't imagine what you'd be, like, in your relationships. Like, how could somebody ever say that you're a terrible girlfriend? I'm, like, that's probably not a good thing that I am so selfless, like, in my friendships, that I'm so selfless in my relationships that I do not matter at all, that I will put someone else's comfort and happiness before my own to where I go to bed at night and I'm crying because my needs are being met, but their needs are being met. Like, and it's not like I'm asking, like, it's not like they're asking me to make these sacrifices and to compromise for them by any means. It's my inability to say no. And that goes back to our, our episode we did like two weeks ago um, called How to Say No. Uh, it's a very important one if you've struggled with codependency issues mm-hmm. that you need to listen to because, it's not just relationships that I think could have been effects. It's work as well, too. Um, I always want to feel like I have – I feel like I always have to hire, like, my friends, like, for my films. And that was something that I really, like, kind of conquered with doing I was this say film. you branched
1: out past people you were, like, comfortable with. Like, and you're working was, with new people. Yeah,
0: and that was really nerve-wracking for me yeah. because I wanted to hire – I felt indebted to hire my friends mm-hmm. because, like, well, you've supported me all this all this time, like – I know I should, I should hire her or him or them like as my producer because, you know, they helped me for so long with all these other things like that. But just because they helped me in the past or they're a friend doesn't mean I have to like I cast them or hire them, my crew. And I, I told it to the actor um, because when I wrote this film, we were friends and it was over quarantine and everything like that. And I write better when I have someone in mind anyways um when i have an actor in mind so i like really wrote the role for him and um and it was i didn't do it because i felt indebted to him i did it because he, he inspired me to write it um and i just coincidentally ended up casting his friend to play his character's friend in the film <laughs> um not because i felt indebted to him just because it was easier with covid and everything like that and someone who'd already been around all of us and everything so like i felt safer with that and he's also talented and i've always wanted to work with his roommate as well right right um but yeah i really gave up the notion that i felt like i had to hire people i knew with this film or that i had to hire because i really went into it like i have to hire all women and i was like stop hiring them just because they're women like what are they good at? Who is best for this position? And, um, yeah, like that's what I really went into and I was able, is there a lot, is there a lot of straight white guys in this film? Yes, there's a lot of straight white guys working on this film. I'm not going to deny that. Um,
1: but they're talented and they're good. They're good. They're good. They're good. I they're going to
0: make your film good. Yeah, and I had to like look there and analyze like, I could have casted one of my really best friends um, as my character's best friend in the film. Um, but, you know, when I looked at it, I was like, who wants to be in this film? Like, this one person is jumping to be in this film, and it's a small freaking role, and she's talented. Yeah, I want to hire her, um, even though, like, I just met her. Um, and so there was that reason I wanted to, like, bring these people on, and I just wasn't doing myself a service if I had hired just people I knew like who didn't have experience like in production design for instance like I could have easily done that and I know other filmmakers who have done that they're like oh well like I'm just gonna hire this guy because like he's my friend and I know he can he can probably do it even though like he went to school like for screenwriting or something like that I was like no like I want to hire somebody who like their choice of concentration was production design like, they know what they're doing. I don't have to explain a job to them because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. So, like, I've always said, like, I want to hire people who are smarter than me on a set. I don't want to hire people who, like, I have to train them how to do their own job because I have enough shit going on already. And I feel like you can relate to that, too, Um, like, with oh, your yeah. music. There's so many times that you could have, like, easily hired your film or your friends and stuff like yeah. that with your music. Yep. But um,
1: but I pick the people that are good at their job and know what to do so that because I don't know how to do that part of it.
0: Yeah. And I think admitting that like you um like you need help is one thing. Oh yeah. I feel like people who have struggled with codependency, like they struggle with asking for help because then that means that shows a sign of weakness in a way. And it shows that like you you're not in control of a situation and they need to be in control. And that's something that I Struggle with the most is my like. I'm I'm such an enneagram eight. Like I need to be in control of the situation. Most directors are like that. I mean, that's why I went into it, and it really made me take a step back and just think, like, what? Okay, what can I control in the situation? The situation. Whenever I had anxiety around things that were not going the way I planned or meet up to my expectations, I would look back and be like, okay, what can I control? I can control how I react. I can control what I say. I can control um, how I feel about this certain thing. I can't control what this other person says to me. I can't control how do they react to my emotions. Um, I know what's in my head and I know what is being presented to me. That's what I can control. And learning to take like a, almost like a third person view at situations um, and being like, okay, why is this person doing what they're doing and realizing that I can't, I may not be able to fix what's going on, but I can probably understand what's going on. And that happened a lot like with the relationship I was in with the doctor um, where that's probably like where my codependency issues like really surfaced and I was able to see them for what they are. It's something that I've always struggled with, but I didn't realize I had them until I was in that relationship because with codependence, narcissism is something that – triggers it, it's the codependent versus the narcissist. It's something that, you know, they're always gonna be attracted to each other because the narcissist wants somebody who's going to fuel them, who's gonna boost their self-esteem and everything like that. I go listen to our whole like dealing with the narcissist episode and our toxic relationship episode. You'll be able to yeah. fully understand it. Yeah. Um but it was to the point where I was realizing that like nothing that I was asking for was being met in that relationship and it was always like it felt very one-sided and it was always what he wanted what was his agenda and what you know was on his schedule and it was never like meet me halfway or like okay we're gonna roll in emily's favor for like once this time and I feel like you were able to see it like firsthand mm-hmm. um, just yeah. dealing with it. And you guys probably heard it and everything like yeah. that.
1: And I feel like narcissists especially are people who love people who are willing to do anything just so that they won't leave them. Like they yeah. they thrive off of someone willing to sacrifice themselves to put that person first because they're about themselves. Like, yeah. So I think that – Especially for someone who does deal with codependency, like being in a relationship with a narcissistic person is incredibly difficult
0: because Mm
1: -hmm. you're already self sacrificing and then they're just encouraging that behavior. Yeah. So,
0: I mean, because I grew up thinking like people pleasing was not a bad thing. Oh, yeah. It was a good thing if you were like a people pleaser. Like, you want to make people happy? Of course, it's a great thing. Let's encourage that. I feel like Mm -hmm. a society encourages that Mm -hmm. a lot, but it's so draining. And you don't really realize how draining it is until you're in those scenarios where I'm going to say yes to everything and I'm going to always be that go-to person for everybody, even if they don't ask me, like, how my day is or anything like that. I'm always going to be, like, dumping bag for people. That's what it feels like a lot of times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you're just, like, a dumpster for people to, like, dump their emotional trash onto you. Yeah. And it's and,
1: really hard to say no to people. Yeah. When you are in that – when you are a people pleaser.
0: Yeah. Like, I can't say no to you. Like – who am I if I say no to you? Like, I feel like a terrible person if I Mm -hmm. say no to you, but really you're not like no one can be everything for everybody. And it's learning to just kind of stand up for yourself. I remember so many times where I got in a fight like with the doctor and I'm being like gaslit and he doesn't understand like why I'm upset about this certain situation. And to the point where I was just like, yeah, I don't know why I'm crying. Like, I wish I could just stop crying. I don't know why I'm crying about this. And I was like, like no, like you knew like two seconds ago. exactly you know exactly why you're crying. I knew exactly why I was crying in that very moment. I just couldn't physically say it out loud because then yeah, it would upset him, and God forbid he be upset. I should only be the one person upset here. I shouldn't. I shouldn't have to have him be upset. Like I, it's all my fault. It's my blame. Even though I did nothing wrong in this scenario. I mean, this is something that recently just happened with me where you saw it. I had two guy friends who do not like each other, mm-hmm. and like I felt like it was my fault that they didn't like each other because one of them was talking negatively about the other one. And I told that I told person B that person A was talking shit about them because I felt like that person B deserved to know that because they were best friends. And I was like, Oh fuck. Like if I, I shouldn't have said anything. Like if I hadn't said anything like me, this wouldn't happen. It's like, no, like person A just shouldn't have said shit. <laughs> like, they should have been like, that's really their best friend. They shouldn't be talking shit about the other person. It's not my fault. Mm-hmm. Um, and they should fix it. Not my, it's not my responsibility to fix their friendship. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I felt like I was like, oh, no, like, I, you know, if I just like, you know, kept my mouth shut, like, no, even if I had like they still like it still wouldn't be good. And I wouldn't feel good either about knowing that one person's being hurt by the other person. And I feel like maybe, yeah, saying something to person B like was me trying to fix this scenario and everything like that. But like. It's not my fault to bear because
1: right. these people aren't friends yeah. anymore or anything yeah. like that. You can't take on that extra – you can't take on that
0: blame. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people, like, who are codependent, who have friends that deal, like, with mental issues and stuff like that, like, they want to make the person happier. They want to But, like, you have to realize, like, it's not, like, your responsibility to take on, like, mm-hmm. you can't fix depression or things like that. Like, you yeah. can't fix someone's mental health. Right. Um, and learning, like – you can just be there for that person. and That's all that they need. That's Mm -hmm. all that matters. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember just, like, being embarrassed by other people's behavior, like, and taking it on as my own embarrassment, even though, like, I have no reason to be embarrassed by, like, this person, like, acting like an idiot. Like, I was friends with certain people because they brought me joy to my life, but I didn't like how they acted around other people, and I'm sure you can you have probably in mind who I'm thinking of mm-hmm. and a girl specifically. Yep. Um, and I was like, Oh, like, no, like it's fine. Like, it, you know, it, like she's fine. I'm just like, I'm so sorry. She's acting like this way. Like to you guys, like, I'm just so sorry. Like, like, you know, like she's just like in this like particular mood or whatever, but it like, it's like, I shouldn't feel sorry. Like for myself. Like, I don't know. Like it's, I took on the guilt of other people to, in order to, I feel like I was alleviating the pain in some way, but I was just taking on the pain myself,
1: if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah.
0: Um, and then another thing that I've realized, and I do it, I've gotten better with this one, which was um whenever people like, would have been to me with their problems. Because that's another thing too. Codependents are great listeners. We are fantastic listeners. We want to listen to your problems. I so many times people are like, oh my God, you should be a therapist. I'm like, I really shouldn't. I really shouldn't. It would not be healthy for me to be a therapist. Oh, my God. I It would be the most toxic job for me to ever have. Yeah. Because I would feel like I need to fix every single client's problems. But I cannot. And if a client of mine, like, was struggling, like, with, like, like, suicide or anything like that, and they took their own life, like, I would feel so heavily responsible for it. Like, there's something I could have done. Like, I could have seen it. I could have seen those warning signs, something like that. And um, I just, like, always, like, would feel like I had to fix someone's problems that they came to me with them, but really they just need somebody to listen to. And there's so many times like now, like with you, whenever you come to me with problems and I'm like, do you want me to listen or do you want advice? Like I need to know ahead of time, like, do I need to keep my mouth shut or like, do you actually like want my opinion? Right. Right. Um, and it's something I've gotten better with and learning like boundaries in that way. Cause I feel like codependent people don't have boundaries really at all. um, and they're the ones who need it the most because uh, I don't think codependents are easy to – they allow themselves to be easy to, to be taken advantage of. It's not that like people take advantage of them. They just allow it um, because they want to be there for everybody. Because if they're there for you, uh, you won't leave them. If they can fix your problems, then they won't leave you. And that was something I realized when I sat down with one of my friends. We were in Austin, Texas, and I was telling him about um, a previous relationship and how I was just like, you know uh, – The musician, he came to me and told me that he had depression and everything. And I was like, I feel bad. Like, I feel like there's something I should do. And he's like, why do you feel like you need to fix him? And I was like, because if I fix him, then he won't leave me. And that's how I've always felt. Like, I always felt like if, you know, I was a better friend, then I, my friends wouldn't leave me. Or I felt like if I was a better girlfriend or if I was able to, like, help them solve this problem or if I was able to, you know... Oh, he's never been in love before or he's never seen love. Uh, if I show him love, then he'll love me back. And that's not how it works. and it's so it's so sad when I hear that back now. and I was explaining this to like my my friends who are my screenwriting pals, um, this film and that Olivia's character is like the kind of person where like she realizes that Nick is the kind of character that's never been in love or he's never seen love from his parents and she's like well you know his mindset like well if I love him then he'll see love and maybe he'll love me back and I remember reading that to my friend and he was just like oh that's so sad and pathetic and I was like okay yeah it is yeah and not and he had no idea like that it was based off of something that I thought myself and that was something that I mean I I literally thought that with a doctor like the doctor straight up had like a terrible childhood and I asked him one time I was like like have you ever been in love and he was like no, like I I can't I don't think I've ever like really seen love. And I was like, it is my duty to show him love. Like it is my duty, because therefore he will love me back. And it's just like that's not how this works, fam. Like that's not at all. Yeah. And like I would I would put so much discomfort over myself. Like, I just remember there'd be these many times where, you know, I'm thinking of situations where like I would go somewhere with a guy, like the musician, for example, like I would go out with him and I would like, Hey, like, do you want to go to this like film screening? Like it's really big, like with this film festival and everything like that. And he's like, yeah, we can go, but like, I'm probably going to want to be in bed, like by 10 o'clock. And like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to leave like by nine. Like I want to be there the whole night. Like all my friends are there. Like I want to see this. I want to go to this like huge thing with my school and like this film festival that the school's having and everything like that. Like I want to be there the whole night and I would be like, okay, like, yeah, like we can go. Like I remember like being like, yeah, we can go. And I'll just, like, we can just leave early. But really, the real, realistic version would have been, like, okay, here's the options. We can go, and, like, you can get an Uber home early, or um, I can just go by myself. And he was just like, well, you can just go by yourself then. And I was just like, you know, it's fine. Like, that's fine. Like, you would have been more unhappy going with him having to leave early. When you really wanted to go and stay all night, then uh, going alone. Like, going alone is fine. Like, you know everybody there. You don't need him to go. And it was putting yeah. myself and, like, what I wanted first and realizing that's okay. Like, I mean, we ended up breaking up. Like, he didn't really care about me that much. But, like, still, like. But you would have spent the whole night worrying about him
1: and worrying yeah. about whether or not he was having a good time instead of just going and embracing being there with the people that you wanted to be there with. Yeah. And staying the whole time and doing what you wanted to do. So. Yeah. And
0: I don't think I'm independent to a fault or anything like that. But by like realizing that like I, I can do these things alone and like if somebody else doesn't want to do it with me, then that's fine. But it's made me more comfortable with my independence, I think. And I'm able to, you know, not think about what other people are so worried about and caught up on um, the whole time. while I'm And I'm able to be more present. That's the thing, too, um, that I feel like a lot of people, like, worry about, like, when they're, like, codependent is not being present by worrying what everybody else in the room is thinking. Like, trying to, like, temperature check the whole room and making sure that everybody's fine and trying to be a good hostess.
1: Yeah. when And having that, like, worry in the back of their mind, like, if I don't do X, Y, Z, they're going to leave. Like, yeah. I think. Like, and it's the control thing. It's, it's that, like, oh, they're going to leave. They're going to leave. They're yeah. going to leave. And, like, you're always constantly worrying about that. And then you're not able to be present because you're worried about that so yeah
0: like i straight up i remember with the doctor when we had our first discussion of like what are we and i don't know if i've mentioned this on the podcast honestly but when we were trying to define the relationship i like told him i was like you know like if you don't want to put like a label on this like then i'm out like i need that security kind of thing and i deserve to know like where we stand and he told it was me something he, that you wanted.
1: Oh, yeah. Like I was very like you adamant. Wanted that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And because I didn't get that with the college boy. Yeah. And um, he was just like, well, I have a fear of commitment. Like I'm super selfish, all this kind of stuff. And I, he was just like, I can't promise you a relationship. Um, I can only promise you like what here and now and kind of thing. And he made it sound really good. And I was like. I can't. Bear the thought of leaving him now. Um, I, I'll i be fine if I leave him later on. If it doesn't work out, I'll be fine. Fuck, no, I was not fine. <laughs> um, but um, I was like, yeah, okay, that's fine. We'll just do that. It's what you want. It's not what I want. But, but know, I don't want to lose you, so therefore I will yeah. do that for you. I was like, I i needed to have some sense of him in my life and i remember like when even um we broke up i like had a conversation with my therapist like i still has like his phone number and my and his name and my phone and um she was just like why do you still have that like why do you still these photos of him too and i was like well like one like i look great in the photos <laughs> But, like, I know, I've know i never deleted photos of my ex, any uh, guys I've dated before. Um, and I never really had photos of guys I dated before. We didn't never got to that point. Uh, and I was just like, oh, well, you know, memories and stuff like that. And she's like, but why do you still have his number? Like, are you going to text him? No. She's like, what are you going to do if he texts you? Have a fucking panic attack? Why are you waiting for that to happen? Like, why? Like, why are you trying? It doesn't serve you in any way. Like, why would you want that? And I was just like, I just don't want him to forget me. She's like, why? Like, why? Like, why? Like, what does him like remembering you? Like, what does that do for you? It does nothing. You don't want, like, he's nothing to you. Like, he will never be in your life again. Like, why does it matter? And it was just like, I just, just, this fear of abandonment, like, coming back and everything. And just, like, trying to, like, understand, like, why I couldn't let someone just let me go. And still to this day, like, it's a traumatic relationship, but I'm, like, a year later, thankful that he broke up with me because he did something that I never had the courage to do. And if he had never broke up with me, I don't know how long I would have stayed in that because it was, like, this vicious cycle to where, like, we were just so intoxicated on each other that it was it was never-ending and I couldn't see it because I was just so entwined in that relationship that like I thought I like lost a part of me and it took me a while to get that back and did I have unhealthy gut mechanisms of getting that back absolutely I, I just pushed it away I didn't want to deal with it and I dated other people but I was able to finally realize that, like, this is something that needed to happen in order for me to identify my problems. Because I had these problems all this time. I just never acknowledged them. I never would have gone to therapy. I never would have made this film. Like, let's be real. Like, True. Never made this film. Art comes from pain a lot of times. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it was just. Yeah, it was just really intoxicating. And that's the best way I can describe that relationship. Uh, Because we were almost addicted to each other in a way. And I had never been in a relationship up to that point. Like, I was single for eight years, I would say, up to that point. And I was just like, oh, someone thinks I'm worthy of love. And this is the fucked up thing that hurts the most. Was, like, a week before we broke up, like, I had told him, like, all my my trauma from my previous relationships and he was just like, well, why didn't you like, you like, why didn't you like leave him? Like, why did you stay in that relationship? And I was, I like cried on his chest and was just like, because I thought like, if like I left him then no one else would ever love me. And I didn't realize that that's the same thought I was having in that relationship with the doctor it was like, if I left him, then maybe like no one else will ever date me again because I've been single for eight years. I didn't think I was worthy of love. And he told me, he was like, I'm sorry that all those guys made you feel so unworthy of love because you're not. And then I hated myself for weeks because then he broke up with me like two weeks later. And I was like, well, maybe he was lying. Like maybe he was right. Like maybe, maybe I was right. Maybe he was wrong. Maybe I'm not worthy of it and everything like that. Like I just couldn't wrap my head. I was like, I did everything. I sacrificed my entire self for this person and they still didn't love me. Like why? what am I doing wrong? Like, why? Like, what is wrong with me, in a way? And that was what it always came back to, even after the college boy, like, after we ended things, and he didn't want me. I was just like, what is wrong with me? Like, why does this keep happening? And finally, I had to stop thinking that, like, it's not my fault. And I ironically, I saw a TikTok that kind of, like, made me feel better in a way this was recently but it kind of like made sense it was like if someone breaks up with you and they say that like they have like it's because like they have commitment issues or something like that it's not your fault you were just so great that you brought the commitment issues and them and they realize that they like it's them that doesn't feel worthy enough for you in a way because they realize all the stuff that's wrong with them. They're like, this person doesn't deserve me. Like this person, like I can't be this person, this person, this person's so amazing and I love them. And I'm like, I'm just into them so much that like, God, like I'm a piece of shit. Like I can't like, and it makes them feel worse. So like, it's not your fault. Like yeah, in a way yeah. and realizing that And know it's like, that's not verbatim what the uh, TikTok was, but, um, but yeah, it took me like just rewiring my brain to realize that, people who are a mess or damaged that like that's what codependents are typically addicted to like I alcohol are addicted to alcohol codependents are addicted to messy people and stop to stop searching for messy people and searching for people who are whole like I think that's one reason why like the actor and I have still been able to be like really close best friends afterwards because even though like he he's he has issues he's aware of them and he is doing something to actively fix them and we we're both aware of each other's issues and we're able to talk about it and be adults about it and I think that's why we are so close still to this day. I know that's like a huge long vent session. Like that's the entire fucking episode was just me talking about it.
1: You, yeah, but <laughs> but like this is this is like your like this is this is very important to you. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I feel like everyone that just listened to that like needed to
0: hear that, you know. Like, I definitely feel like we should do a part two episode oh, yeah. with somebody like who is like in mental health or like therapy or something like that. But that's been like just my personal experience with it. Um, and codependency is a beast. Like it. It's, yeah.
1: Like I'm proud of you for being able to one go through that traumatic relationship but also like learn something from it and Mm -hmm. take things away from it because that's something that I really harp on in relationships that don't end well whether they're friendships or with significant others like trying to find the lesson that you learned and I know you're done with lessons but (laughs) I got a master's degree we're done (laughs) I think it is important to like after you know after you've had your time to cope to like take take a step back and look at it and kind of see like what came of it and how you can grow from it because i think that there's always something to take away from an experience that doesn't last and taking that into the Mm -hmm. next relationship that you're in Mm -hmm. and learning from it and being able to maybe even recognize it earlier on in the next the next time it happens yeah kind of thing because now
0: now i'm able to look at relationships and identify like what my wants and my needs are and and instead of just sacrificing it
1: all you can yeah put the boundaries in place that sh- that needed to be in place in that other
0: relationship yeah. so. like in relationships that i go into nowadays i'm like i first at th- I, I my first initial thought was i need someone to t- who can text me every single day and i should be and i could t- say that up front like but then i like was able to take a step back i was like. I don't need someone who can text me every single day. I can go a couple days without texting somebody. I'm a terrible texter. Um, But I need someone... Not me.
1: (laughs) But, like, we go, like... But sometimes we go... We're just so busy. We're so busy now.
0: But I need someone, like, who can touch base with me, like... Yeah. Once a day. Yeah. Whether that's, like, a... Hey, how are you? Something like that. Mm -hmm. I just... I need someone who can be in communication with me.
1: Well, and you... And you want someone who wants to.
0: Yeah. Like, I don't want to sit there and have, like, the, like mundane small talk or anything like that i don't need that that's not what i want i just want someone to know i just need someone to know that they're there for me and someone who supports me Mm -hmm. and someone who is loyal and wants to be committed to me and i can't do those like oh what are we kind of relationships like i don't do that anymore and um like if you want to be with me you have to commit to me if this is something that we're like you don't want to be with me then we are friends like, I am not doing that where I mix, like, I become, like, their therapist or anything like that. Like, I'm done being the therapist for people. <laughs> I love, and that's the thing, I love listening to people. I love, you know, that people can feel they can confide in me all the time like that. But learning, like, when, okay, is this person, like, just needing an event? Is this person needing advice? And that's the same. I goes with my friends and my coworkers and other people like that. But we had wrote, like, all these things down about, like, the key signs of, like, codependency, and I think that I kind of nailed most of them. You did, yeah, um, definitely. But one that stood out to me the most, like, as I'm reading over this, is that you may you may do anything to hold on to the relationship, even if it's destructive, and be willing to compromise in order to hang on to the relationship because it's better than being alone. And that's, like, the thing that I feel like wraps up relationships for me um, is I got comfortable with being alone and I'm fine being alone. Am I boy crazy? Yeah, I'm a Libra. Um, so I have a Libra moon and rising. Like, I was like, you're not a Libra, what? I, I have a Libra moon and rising. I got you. <laughs> I got Gemini, Venus. Boy crazy is, like, the definite, is in my blood. Uh, um, but I think because I have always idealized love and relationships. Granted, my parents, like, are the definition soulmates. Like, they've been together for fucking too many years 30 something years i don't really know i've lost count at this point honestly like high school sweethearts like ideal like couple and so like they set the boundaries like they set like the standards like really high for me um and so i've always had this idealized version of love and i'm like god i'm 27 years old like why have i never had that like i never got that like teenage romance i've never had somebody like tell me that they love me which is sad (laughs) to think about but like i am was so desperate to find that, be married by the time I was 25, you know, like have all these goals, check all the boxes. And it's just like now I'm getting comfortable with being alone again. And I like being alone. I I don't mind it at all. I don't need somebody to be in a relationship with. And I think codependence, you know, it's something that they struggle with. Like they feel addicted to love. And because when you can fix someone else's problems, you don't have to worry about fixing your own. You don't have to think about yourself. You don't have to think about what's going on in your own life. You're all your focus and attention is on them and how you can make that other person feel better because then that will make you feel better. But it's so narcissistic as itself. Like, thinking that you can fix this person's problems you are not god like you can't do that like you cannot fix this person you don't know all this stuff so you don't worry about certain your own wants and your own boundaries and your needs because they don't matter this person in front of you matters more and if you can fix them they will stay with you and then that's all you want you just want this person to be with you even if it means that you cry to bed every night you allow yourself to be abused you allow yourself to just feel like a doormat um and to the point where you no longer think for yourself and you have a hard time determining what you actually want and thinking that oh what this person wants is what I want but that's not what you really want because you're so enmeshed in this other person that you are now them and if that makes sense
1: yeah you like become them or become part of so much part of them that you're not even like you don't even have like your own
0: and I like, didn't you don't th- even know who you are. Yeah. And I didn't think that was something I was capable of. I didn't think that... Because I didn't know what codependency... Like I said, I didn't know what codependency was. I didn't think I was capable. I was like, people who get lost in themselves. Like, oh my god. Like, I, that's not me. Like I can't do, And it can happen to anybody. It can truly happen to anybody. Um, it just takes a certain person to bring it out and make it worse. And almost, like, trigger it in a way. I guess that's a good way to say it. Mm-hmm. Um I don't like saying I have codependency issues. Um, because, don't give it power. Yeah, I and that's something I learned with manifestation. Uh-huh. Like, is like, no, like, like maybe I did deal with it. Yeah, but I don't have codependency issues. Mm-hmm. I've dealt with it before. And I, it I it. love that
1: mindset. I think that mindset is really important um, for things that you can think that way about. Yeah. Like, you dealt with it and you've learned from it, and it but it doesn't it doesn't have any power over you right now. Yeah. Um I think that's really important.
0: Yeah. If you feel like you struggle like with low self-esteem sometimes, I feel like those are people who like are easily targeted with codependency. Um because people I think who view themselves highly um and are so independent like it's not easy for them to get into those patterns because they know of themselves. And I thought I knew myself and I thought I had high confidence and everything like that. But in my subconscious mind, like there was still like that bully in the back of my head telling me that I was worthless and that I should just run away. And not giving that voice power because um, how other people feel towards you and how other people give you love is not your self-worth. That is, you create that yourself by doing what you love, by asserting your boundaries, by asserting your needs, and when you do that, you will attract the people who will not trigger those codependency notions in you. They will be healthy, and they will make you a healthier person, and you won't have to fix them, because at the end of the day why do you want to fix something like I honestly like I'm tired of building like I just want somebody who's already built great and I don't need to worry about like fixing them or anything like that because it just makes it's just easier like why 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 do you want a project at the end of the day I think um and understanding that people are human as well too. To go off what you said I think it's important
1: to like for me like I don't want to I don't want to fix somebody, but I I wouldn't be there and be a support for somebody yeah. who might be going through something. Like yeah. I, I have no intentions of fixing my boyfriend. <laughs> I love him. Like yeah. I love him how he is. And if he has days where he has a hard time, like I'm gonna be there for him to support him, but I'm but I don't go into it with the intention of feeling like I have to fix him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a mindset that is really, really hard, mm-hmm. especially if you have dealt with codependency or are dealing with it because you want to fix it, because you want them to stay. But learning that it's It's just as important to them that you're just there and and can be a support. And you don't – and you don't have to be a therapist. And they're going to – if they're not a narcissist, they're going to appreciate that more than you trying to give advice and fix because they don't necessarily want that.
0: Yeah, that's another thing, too. Like, people who, like, struggle with depression, for example, like, they don't want you to fix them because then you're (laughs) validating that that idea that they're broken. Yeah. And they're not. Right. And – I think that you think that you're probably doing it from good intentions, but you're only harming your both of y'all like in the long run because you're giving power to the idea that that, that person's broken. They're not a complete person. And then by you fixing them or making them better than, than they are complete. But it's like, no, like, why can't you just love me for me mm-hmm. kind of thing? Mm-hmm. And it's just being upfront, like with the issues. Like anytime like, I get date people nowadays, I'm just like, you know, like, look, this is really hard for me because this is what I want to do but like I need you to understand that like I need to establish these boundaries and everything like that in order for me to be healthy I guess um and it's just like you know this is how I feel okay if I was like to be with somebody now and they were like you know I was like hey like I really want to go to this like film festival like for example like we're this film to Sundance like I really would love it if you like came with me and everything like that and they told me like hey like I can't, like, I I can, but, like, I may have to spend it, like, I can only, like, spend a couple days, like, I have work and everything going on, something like that, but, like, okay, well, maybe it's just a better idea, like, maybe I should just do this alone then, like, you focus on your own work, I'll focus on my work, and we just keep them separate, and everything like that, like, you don't feel like you need to come with me or anything like that, and it's just establishing those boundaries that, like, I don't always need that person, um, even though, like, I would love for them to be there, and I would love to have them with me, it's making sure that my needs are met, along and that i'm not self-sacrificing anymore um because that's what i feel like i would tend to do i feel like especially with work i would always say like yes to work like oh they need me i should go in no they should have made a better fucking schedule <laughs> <laughs> well, they should have thought ahead <laughs> they, they should hire
1: more people like it's not my fault yeah or like it's not all on you to fix the problem yeah or thinking that like you know, or like, if you say no, then they're not going to want to put you on
0: the schedule. Like, yeah. like
1: having those, you're having all of these worries that like they're not even the thinking about, and they don't care. The,
0: yeah. the I feel like a lot of people who have codependency issues, they think the universe is out to get them. The universe is not out to get you. Just because you don't do X, Y, and Z does not mean you won't get A, B, and C. Right. Like, right. That's not how the universe works. Yeah. You may and get an alternate. A lot of people think that. Yeah. It's just like no, like it will figure itself out. Like you will be okay, and. I feel like I often worried about people judging me so much that I had to seem I was, like, tougher than Mm. what I was. Because if Mm -hmm. I was vulnerable, then... I gave them access to me to hurt me in some way. And so I would shut myself off from vulnerability. I would shut myself off from intimacy. And I was open with that with the doctor. I told him, I "I have a fear of vulnerability. I have a fear of intimacy. He also thought that meant I had a fear of commitment, but it's not the same thing. I crave commitment. I crave that security. That's what I need in order to feel safe in a relationship. But I may struggle opening up to you because if I open up to you, maybe you're going to use those scars against me and make them deeper in a way. But I've learned over the years that there's power in being vulnerable. I think this whole episode <laughs> is power in that. Yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> and like crying, showing emotion, things like that, avoiding that is not going to make you any better. It's only going – because what the reason you're avoiding it is because it makes other people discomfort when you have to show emotions. When you cry, I'm it makes other people discomfort. It Causes other people discomfort, so mm-hmm. like, then, therefore, I just I'm like, no, I'm just gonna shut it down, I we're just not gonna do that. We're just thinking about but then Ariana it just builds me. and builds and builds, and then you just explode one day, yeah. and it's not, it's it, you, it's it not it pretty. It could be it's, your birthday,
1: <laughs> it's, it's literally part of like life to experience and show emotions, so like,
0: do that, yeah. So, yeah, you and I think you think that you have control over it, but um, because it goes back, it almost goes back to that, it always goes back to the control thing, um, but you can only control it to a point and then it's just going to unleash on to everybody. and It's going to create more destruction and it's almost like a ticking time bomb in a way. And it's just not a healthy mindset. It's better to be vulnerable, but not overshare. And I think there's a fine line within realizing what that is. And I think it's just being honest with other people. Like, you know, I remember with the actor, like when I first dated him, uh, he would make last minute plans with me at some points, you know, granted we started dating in the middle of COVID. So, you know, there's that, um, didn't really know what the plans were at the time. Um, didn't have an agenda. Uh, (laughs) but I was like, you know, like, Hey, if you like want to see me, I I love that you want to see me. I love that you're spontaneous and I can do that too. And I feel like you've told this to your boyfriend as well, but like, yep, I, I need a plan. Like I need you to make a, I need you to like schedule a time with me ahead of time because like, I want to see you so bad. I would sacrifice my entire sleep right now to go be with you, but like, I needed. I should, I've I should sleep, or I would be like, oh, like I have this homework. I should really do this homework. But like, I also want to see them. Just because like I do my homework instead of seeing that person doesn't mean this person is not gonna want to see me later on. Like there'll be another time for us to hang out. If this person really wants to be with me. We'll find a time. Like it's not like it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. I feel like people who are codependent think all these scenarios are a a once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing there will be another time I promise you if it's supposed to happen it will happen um it just may not be on your terms and that's the thing um and then I think the last thing that you know people who struggle with codependency I know that I least have struggled with it is when it comes to identifying like what real love is and whether that's your friendship relationship just because, you know, someone is attracted to you and there is chemistry and – let me, feel, let me see if I can figure this out. Just because somebody wants your body doesn't mean that they actually want you. That's the, like the be- – like that's the most blunt way I can put it out there. Yep. Um, I feel like people who are in – like who are codependent, they struggle with these short-term relationships because it's a brief euphoria. It's this brief moment of time to where, oh – they don't really know who I am, but they're giving me satisfaction. They're noticing me as a person. And if I can only get that attraction via sex, then I'm going to take it that way. And that's not love. That That's not it. And you will be able to... Wouldn't you stop satisfying yourself with that and giving yourself that attention and accepting that as your only form of love? Um, you're going to open yourself up to other options and you're going to be able to identify other things. And that's just setting a boundary for yourself being like, hey, like, no, like, I." it takes like... We had to date for like a whole month before we can, you know, take it to the next level or whatever it may be or go on so many dates, whatever it is for you personally to make yourself be like, no, like I know that this person actually wants me. They just don't want me for my body kind of thing and it takes a long time and that's why i say like, i i guess it goes back to me like obsessing with my looks and things like that being like i can fix myself all my want it doesn't mean this person's gonna love me i can get lip injections i can get bigger bigger tits uh, i can work out as much as i want That doesn't mean that this person is gonna finally be attracted to me or whatever it may be i can fix myself i can fix them it doesn't mean it's gonna be love and so you had to figure out what love means to you and i can't, that's not something we can tell you nope um you have to work on yourself to identify what it may be and for me it took me getting heartbroken to the point where i was like utterly destroyed went through trauma had ptsd um all this stuff uh to realize this is what it is and i take relationships at a slower pace now i think um with a doctor it was a very much a very fast-paced relationship and that's why i I had nothing healthy to base it off of. And I think people who are codependent probably have that same like thing that they face where they don't realize like, oh, I've only been in these traumatic relationships. I've only been in these bad relationships. I don't have anything healthy to base it off of. And that was what it was with me. Like I didn't have a healthy relationship to base what love really looked like off of, besides my parents. And I don't really know the intimate details of my parents' relationship. Don't really want to know the intimate details of my parents' relationship. Um, so I think you just have to define that for yourself. And it takes years. It's not something that you're gonna be able to fix overnight. I'm still working on it a year later. Um, and there whatever it may be, there's resources, there's therapy. Um, I I cannot commend therapy enough. Um, and you can go to therapy specifically for this. Um, you don't have to go to a generalized therapist. Um, there's books, but then there's, like I mentioned in the beginning of this episode, there's 12-step programs. I'm going to be honest. I looked into it at one point, but I was, like, scared. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I didn't really know, like, the ins and outs of it, as it is. But I know Whitney Cummings has mentioned it before because um, it's what she did because it's, like, free therapy in a way um, where people who are codependent, whether – no matter what it may be, sometimes it's relationships – um, cause codependent can strive across many different fields, I guess, whether it be drugs, alcohol, kind of things like that. But that's when you get like really specific with it. But codependent relationships, there, there are like 12 step programs people can go to because it's, you treat it almost in the same way. Um, and how you would treat like 12, the 12 step programs, like alcohol anonymous or narcotics anonymous, whatever it is. Um, so you can just look, look up like what it is and, a lot of it is based like in religion or anything like that, but like you, your the higher self can be whatever it is, and it has to be God, it can be universe, whatever you believe is a higher power, um, and yeah, I don't know all the twelve step programs, but I just highly recommend like looking into that, seeing if it's a fit for you, um, and then yeah, I I feel like just doing more research on codependency code just was a, was what helped me identify that, and then seeking therapy for it um, was what helped held me and then just learning to identify things that trigger it and what my symptoms of it may be because it could be different from you versus me so yeah we love it This thank is a you. long fucking episode thank my you throat for, hurts I,
1: I could tell you were like <laughs> cracking a little bit <laughs> thank you for sharing that with us though yeah um i don't know what my survival tip would be this for this week i, I think i feel like what you just said like, like learning to identify, learning to identify, finding what helps, what can help you, and what, what resonates with you as far as trying to get through it. So, yeah.
0: and learning that you can't fix everybody. Yeah, because you shouldn't have to. So don't be about the builder. Don't can we fix builder. it? No, no, we can't. No, we can't. <laughs> accept that. Move on with your life. Stop trying to fix the fat boy who's in uh, Kappa Sig. Like, <laughs> he doesn't need help. He needs therapy.
1: <laughs> and so that does it for today's episode of The Gals Guide. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at The Gals Guide Pod. Also, like us on Facebook at The Gals Guide and become a Gals Scout in our Facebook community. You can also hit us up on our website, TheGalsGuidePod.com, and our personal social media, which will be linked in the show notes. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really does help us out. So
0: thanks for listening, gals, and we hope you come back for our next journey. <laughs>